Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. We kick this episode of the Tech John off with a tech story or two, but we've got a special guest interview for you this week. We chop it up with Sean Gunn, co-founder and CEO of Play, an artificial intelligence-driven wagering and data analytics platform for video gamers. Sean has also played a key role in helping multiple companies successfully exit, having raised over $50 million in venture funding and creating over $1 billion in exit value for investors. We cover everything from what it's like starting a tech company with black and female founders to how venture capital is not always the route startups should look to when getting off the ground. Sean gives us an overview of play and how his company is changing the game with wagering and esports and leaves us with a view of where he believes the metaverse is headed. We've got all this and more in episode 19 of the Tech John. From Columbus, Ohio, I'm your host, Rob Dunwood. And it's your girl, Tech Life Steph, a.k.a. Stephanie Humphrey, coming to you from Philly. And out of Atlanta, this is Terrence Gaines, a.k.a. Brother Tech, a.k.a. Uh, Monday morning quarterback. Uh, <laughs> couldn't get enough of this week's uh, football. A uh, bunch of good games. So I'm still in my mind about all the stuff that developed over the weekend. We'll probably talk about it a little bit more in the uh, after party, but nothing. <laughs> yeah, it was pretty nothing. good. I heard something about an upset, though, a Tom Brady upset. There were three upsets, well, honestly. Well, well, really, the only one we all care about is Tom Brady. So, right. <laughs> you're right. <laughs> but, um, you know, this is probably recency bias, but this is the best divisional playoff that I can remember. Every game came down to the last play of the game. Every single one, mm-hmm. all four games. And three of the games were actually really good games. I mean, they weren't uh, just, you know, one of the games you can say was kind of just terrible football all the way around. And I know people are knocking the, you know, they're, they're knocking the the lack of defense, but the games were close. You know, all the games were literally a field goal game or a touchdown in overtime game. So I was happy to see it. Yeah. But, uh, but we're going to go ahead and get to it because we have a couple of stories that we want to talk about before we get to a guest. I've been posting all over social today about our guest and I, I'm kind of excited to get to it. Before we do that, we have to, uh, you know, once again, I want to remind everybody that, uh, we're not just a podcast. We also are a live stream. So if you want to get in on the live stream where we actually have a little bit of pre-show, usually a lot of bit of post-show where we're just talking about some everything, you want to head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john. Um, and you can become a patron and support the show where you will get additional benefits such as discord, but also access to our live stream where you can watch us record the show live. So just wanted to put that out there. And now we're going to go ahead and jump into some tech. And 
it seems like the stories that we're going to talk about today, they all, it's like they, they really get back to the reasons why we started this show. Um, this isn't brand new news. Uh, I, I believe that Forbes, uh, you know, towards the beginning of the year put out a list of, uh, the top earning TikTokers and there were no people of color on the list. Not shocked by that, but it's still a thing because, you know, I, I don't think it's really a, a question that there are a lot of black creators who are driving the content on TikTok and, and, and other social, but mm-hmm. none of them made the top list. And what's so I'm going to go ahead. So you're going to get into it, but I'm going to ask a question to uh, throw you the alley-oop. So were the, the Forbes list just based off of analytics, you know, how many followers, how much money you've generated or is it just kind of like one of those top 10 lists where it's subjective or is this actually based on actual stats? So I believe what they did was a couple of things. Number one, they eliminated anyone that was not a TikTok celebrity first. So there's no Will Smith. The Rock is not on the list. What's his name? Jason Derulo. He, he He's uh-huh. not on the list. So they, they're eliminating those kind of folks. They're looking purely for TikTok stars. And then it is how much money. Does Forbes estimate you brought in in 2021? So and the, the threshold was 4.75 million. You had to have made at least 4.75 million dollars. Very interesting in number, but yes, you, you had to make you know um, a certain amount, which was significantly greater than the the amount you had to make uh, for last year's list, which is the first time they did it. But a, as you would expect, it's going to be the top, uh, you know, the, the top followers or, the, the, or I should say the top creators with followers. They're going to be at the top of the list. So you have Charlie. What is her last name? DM, you know, DM Milio, the Milio and her little sister. They're the top two. Her older sister. Oh, older sister. Dixie so older, she's the youngest. Yeah. Okay. So I got yeah, that backwards. Yeah. So, you know, they're at the top. Um, so when you look at Charlie, she's got 133 million followers. She is the number one, uh, a person on TikTok has more followers than even TikTok does. Um, then her big sister, Addison Ray, Josh Richards, you know, list goes down. Um, there's six folks on the list who are all doing 4.75 or better. What is interesting though is that the, uh, the guy with the most followers, uh, his name is, uh, you know, Cabby Lame. He is, is you know, Singalese born, lives in Italy. Mm-hmm. This is the bro that has he he never talks in any of his videos. They're just reactions to other people's and, stuff. And they did the the commercial off of his And he uh, wasn't even in the commercial. Right. <laughs> he wasn't even in the commercial. But uh so so, so yeah. y'all know where we're getting at with this story. Right. So yeah, so yeah, Kobe Lane, he has one hundred and twenty seven million followers, second only to uh Charlie uh DiMello. Um he doesn't make the list. Now, I don't want to make it seem like he's not making money because it is estimated that he's doing over, he did over $2 million last year. And that's not a, a little bit to, you know, to, to shake a stick but at, still. but still, it's but like, still. I'm looking you at know, some of these other folks who are on the list. Brand deals and, and I mean, it's, it, it, this, this, this just grinds my gears, y'all. You don't even know. I'm about to get on the soapbox. Yeah. It's about to be on. I ain't going to yeah. stop talking about this because it's ridiculous. It's yeah. absolutely ridiculous. You know, and, 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 you know, we're going to get into a whole bunch of it, but, but 
think about the missed opportunities for brands right now mm-hmm. because you can't mm-hmm. say you don't know the right. dude that got 127 million followers you know what i mean like mm-hmm. like you can make a case for well we didn't really know who jeliah herman was at the time even though charlie d'amelio owes her career to mm-hmm. jeliah herman mm-hmm. jeliah herman is a young lady who created the renegade dance that mm-hmm. literally everybody on tiktok did and charlie mm-hmm. got famous for yeah, and addison gray got to go on Jimmy Fallon and do and never credited Jaliah for anyway. Um, but think about the, the missed opportunity. You, you don't, you're not missing the boy that got 127 million followers. You don't miss that guy. You know what I mean? So the idea that you maybe didn't know who Jaliah was or maybe don't know who consciously is or, or auntie Karen or anybody like that. You could, you could, you could, you could get away with saying, well, we weren't aware of, of those people. Nobody doesn't know who Kabi Lame is. You mm-hmm. know what I mean? And you're not missing him because he got $127 million. So the idea that you would, you know, front on this boy and, and use his content but not put him in. Uh, I'm, yeah. you know, I'm about to throw my, my damn laptop. For real. No. Throw this microphone at the screen or something. I'm just, I'm so irritated by this whole thing. It's ridiculous. So, So that begs the question, right? Is this institutional in the sense to where this is orchestrated or is it just um, uh, lies of omission? That's not the right phrase I'm looking for. But is it just you, you really do you think it's circumstance that Forbes came up with this list and just based on the criteria that they came up with, it just so happened that no black creators made it on this list? Or was it institutional in the sense that, all right, how do we X, Y and Z? So we can highlight these people and make sure or, you know, omit by no, on purpose. Well, it was, it was they, they I think they did it on purpose at the at the end of that Forbes article. They specifically list their methodology on okay. how they came up with this list. So it wasn't just the top 10 creators we liked the best mm-hmm. there right. were some there were some requirements around making this list and the fact that nobody uh black earned 4.75 million dollars last year okay is a problem you okay know I mean? so so problem. i get what just so so it sounds like and of course i'm just you know acting like i don't know what's going on so it sounds like we're not necessarily have a beef with the forbes article per se no. we are more upset at the fact that the black creators are not getting enough acknowledgement. They're not mm-hmm. getting enough money. They're not getting enough um, awareness to even get on the Forbes list. So, okay. All right. I, I, All I right. want, I wanted to All point right. something out. So Josh Richards, he is the only male on this list. It's a white mm-hmm. dude. Mm-hmm. He has, you know, he, he's bringing in about 5 million a year and he has the fewest by far the fewest followers. He's only got 26 million followers. Mm-hmm. So I'm also looking at this. I'm like, okay, so the white guy is getting five mil, only has 26 million followers. If if, if I were to do the math, if he were if you were to multiply his following, um, you know, and get it up to where you know either of the Diamelo people are, I mean, he would be making significantly more than both of them. Um, so it's just like, I was just like, huh, that's interesting. It's like no black folks, um, mostly white women. And the one white dude is, you know, based off of the size of his following is making the most. He's not making the most, but based off of his following, he is. There's one Asian woman on there. So there's one person of color. I I forget her name, but there is one Asian. I want to read this tweet, though. Um, There was a Black Enterprise article about this as well. And and some white publicist 
tweeted this about why this could be happening. I want to read this real quick. Uh-huh. Uh, Tish, say, Tish Taylor Searcy, she, um, she is her management firm is called Brand Fetish Agency. Uh-huh. She said, I understand the anger. However, this could have been a Forbes pitch and part of the content calendar. Hence, the writer or editor could have looked at this and said, where are the people of color and did more research? But typically that will not be the case. The solution, colon, the African-American TikTok community will need to step up and invest, all caps, in publicists who are in consistent communication with high-level publication writers and editors to assure they are not overlooked for editorial opportunities such as this. So it's up to the oppressors, to the oppressed, the oppressed. Yeah. to uh, yeah. make the changes, huh? Okay. And, and, and I'm calling bullshit on that because, again, you need money. You, you need money, number one. And the list was the list was determined objectively. There was a dollar value put on how much you had to make to make the list, and nobody black made that much money. So nobody. it's not that they don't. I mean, that's a part of it that they don't have that we don't have publicists and representation and and lawyers and all that other stuff. But they're not paying us what we're worth. They're not paying us what we're worth. And that is the bottom freaking line. And it goes to pattern matching. You know, there are some brands out there who still want to cater to a certain audience. So they go get the people who look like the type of audience that they want to get. You know, yeah, we can laugh and we can comment and we can like and we can share and we can use these black creators to make commercials. But when it comes down to actually writing the checks, there, these brands are being calculated and saying, hmm, who looks like the audience that we want to get? That person, go get them. These other people, eh. <laughs> and in 2021, I still can't even understand that. I'm like, your audience is green, yo. Your audience ain't black or white. Your audience <laughs> should just be green at this point. Like, uh-huh. what? WTF? Like, my money ain't good. Like, come uh-huh. on, man. Like, uh-huh. yeah. Um, like I said, it Shaking was. Shaking an angry fist. The, the, <laughs> we, we started our show. The very first episode zero. This is the stuff we're talking about. It's like, yes, we, we we are coming back to it, but it's just like, come on now. Um, it you can't get one. And so, right, go ahead. I was going to say, so uh, you, you can't get one. And then, like I said, you can't use the argument. Well, there aren't any black creators who have that kind of following. The person with the second most people following him, this dude has over a billion. Mm-hmm. likes and we throw billion out there like I, I like to put like the cat williams emphasis on it the, the you know a billion it's like it's like bullets you know coming out of mm-hmm. it's like people don't realize how big a billion is you can't do anything a billion times right you, you, you can't you couldn't sit and click your mouse button for the entirety of your life um on the like on this and get to a billion you just you know you, you just don't have enough time to do that right. so it's just like, uh, you know, um, and then like I said, I'm thinking about the computer or the, uh, the, the commercial. Now, I don't know how this commercial was created. I don't know if Cobby Lane, because everybody's they doing his to. thing, if they're using but they, it, right. but it's Look, like, he's he so popular that copyright his, his yeah. stick. And, I mean? and he did it on their platform, yeah. which yep. goes exactly. to my ultimate question now. And we, we ain't going to have time enough in this <laughs> show to do that, but. Now we know the game. Mm-hmm. What do we do about it? And this is not a, it's up to Come the on, oppressed. Base. 
Isaac Hayes the third right. on the show. And so on the what, do, what do we do about you it? Know, I, I am not getting into the comments. I'm not getting into the you know the Twitter wars. But there was one comment that I saw on a website that where somebody was making the point. Well, it's like the commercial. The TikTok commercial, look how many black folks are in the commercial. It's, you know, the, the two people that you recognize from the commercial are Tyron Lou and, uh, I just lost my train of thought. Who was it? Uh, Derek Rose. No, not Derek right. Rose. It was, uh, Alan Iverson. Alan Iverson. Alan Iverson. Yeah, Alan right. Iverson. It's like, you reckon? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but they're not Calby Lane. So it's like, I, I have to yeah. ask the question, is he getting paid? For people, no. for the TikTok no. making this no. commercial, using the thing. This is how There's popular not, nope. he's so popular that you know who they are mimicking. Right. Without even seeing without who having, he without is. Without even having him on. That's you know how, what they're doing. That is how popular. Copying, but he's not getting the credit for it. It's insane. Nope. It's insane. Nope. I want to call out before we move to the next story, because I'm looking at the clock and I'm like, yeah. okay. Um, I do want to call out a couple people that are in the creator space, you know, trying to shift this narrative um, for black creators. Keith Dorsey um, is out of Atlanta, uh, Terrence. He runs the collab crib because that is one of the things that uh, white folks or non-black folks um, have an advantage over is they know how to get together and collaborate and get uh-huh. that paper and, and grow uh-huh. their following by leveraging each other's following. Uh-huh. And uh-huh. they live in these places like hype house and, uh-huh. and all these other, you know, places out in LA, these big mansions and they put all the kids together and they just all make content all day long and uh-huh. leverage each other's followings to grow their own. So, um, Keith Dorsey is doing that in Atlanta okay. uh, with the collab crib is the only, um, so the only known anyway, uh, collaboration house that focuses on black creators exclusively. And then, uh, Brandy Merriweather, Kaylin Berry and Seth Francois, uh, are running. Well, Brandy Merriweather owns a, um, PR firm that, that works with creators and influencers, but they also have an organization called Creator Equality okay. where they are offering pro bono PR and legal services to support BIPOC content creators and tech professionals working to close the digital divide. So I'm actually going to reach out to Brandy um, and Brandy mm-hmm. if, you, if you hear this, holla at your girl because I'm, I'm going to be contacting you myself. Um, but there are some people that that understand the game that's been studying the game mm-hmm. and understand it and are trying to bring the game to us um and and and, and flip this narrative because because this ain't this this is this is this is some bs that's all i have <laughs> this is some bs so our our next story it's not exactly the same but it's definitely related Close and <laughs> so before i even tell folks what it is uh, Stephanie, you sent a text message to, to Terrence and I. And before I could even reply, I'm just reading. It's like, ooh, she mad. <laughs> she is like, and I was like, the rant is coming. Yeah. And there was just like, text message, text message. And you know, you don't like text, mes- text message to me because I'm green. So you don't even really I like text message to me. So. I, I, I can go to green bubble to, to, to get on my soapbox, man. It's crazy. Mm-hmm. But anyway, um, you know, I, I'll let you get into the specific, the specifics of the story, but uh, you know, it was about, uh, you know, a company, uh, that, uh, you know, just started it's nine months new. Um, and uh, they get $3.4 million in pre-seed funding for a company that is doing almost precisely the same thing as another company that has been rocking since 2018 and hasn't gotten any. 
Yeah, so uh, why don't you go ahead and tell us about what's happening between Caden and Stream Analytics. And not really between them, because I don't want to pit one against the other, but right, it's right, just right, right. two companies that do very similar things that have different uh, found, you know, different looking founders that are treated significantly different in the, the game. Yeah. yeah, so Angela Benton is an African-American woman founder. Um, she's been in a game since the 90s um, when that CNN documentary about the new me accelerator came out. and mm-hmm. She's probably doing stuff even before then, but that's what got her popular and blew her up. She had an accelerator in the Valley where um, a bunch of startup founders came in and, and, and she's been responsible for, I think, $48 million in exits um, from founders over the years. And her company, Streamlytics, gathers data and pays for your data. So it gathers data from people based off social media platforms, Netflix, kind of wherever they can get it. But they focus exclusively on Black data, African-American data, um, Black folks data basically. But again, they pay you for your data. She's been doing this since 2018. Mm -hmm. Um, She just reached half a billion data points um, last year, last September. Uh, And now here come this other joker out of nowhere who had been chilling on an island for the last year and a half and then decided, well, let me go make another company up and, 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 and collect people's data and pay people for their data. And TechCrunch, which is, you know, one of the largest technology blogs in the world, you know, did this article on this, on this company, Caden, and didn't mention Streamlytics had mentioned two other companies mm-hmm. that that went under that that failed that didn't mm-hmm. make it, it in the same space you know of, of data collection and paying people for data did not mention Angela Benson's name or Streamlytics at all and, like they, didn't even and they're doing the thing is the thing it's like they're actually doing up it. and running fairly successfully and um you know you said they have 500 million data points Mm-hmm. That was back in October. Back mm-hmm. in October. They, I, th- I, I want to say from July. And they doubled that over like six months. It was like three or six months. It was crazy how right. quickly they mm-hmm. got to that number. So yeah. they probably had a billy at, at this point. Mm-hmm. They, they, they raised, the, raised a whole bunch of money via crowdfunding, got all these partnerships with all these corporations, already got consumers uh, submitting their data and getting paid as a result. And then, and then fast forward to this tech crunch is like, Oh, this guy comes out of nowhere and comes up with this cool idea and, and is able to raise. And, and, and if I read the story correctly, he's already uh, a millionaire because of some other st- company that he bought right. or sold or something like that. Like, uh, Stephanie mentioned, it was sitting on an island, came up with this bright idea. And not only does he already have money. Idea. He, he was able to get others people's money because it's not only not only is it tough for black and brown and women founders to raise money when they don't have any. You can get a founder that's already got skin in the game, has already had successful exits and already done this and that and the other. And it's still hard for them to raise money versus these yeah. other people can come out of the game. like, hey, I've got this idea and to make not make matters worse. Uh, so I originally sent the message because I was um, I think I was on Apple News or doing something. I sent the message. Does this, does this company sound familiar? Right. <laughs> I actually got no, I take it back. I got it from Twitter because my homegirl, Lynn Johnson, she um, tweeted about it. And then I saw the story. I was like, hey, this looks familiar. 
Right. So me and her had a conversation on Twitter. And then the founder of this new company, Caden, actually responded to our tweets because what? she, yeah, because she, she mentioned, I'm going to see if I can find a tweet without Please too much. Please do, because I didn't even much. know what this driver had to say. <laughs> for real. While so, you're searching um, for the tweet, let me just say this uh, about Caden, um, you know, to, to go to the other side. So we're not anti Caden. We're not anti John Roa. That is the entrepreneur who, you know, sold his consulting firm a few years back and decided yeah, I'm going I'm going to go chill on a secluded island in Europe for a few years <laughs> and then come back. It is just it's like, you know, he he had an idea um and you know, let me just go on stealth for 9 months and then come out and get millions of dollars uh and get more than Angela Angela Benton to date has probably raised about about two and a half million dollars and that was through because i had full disclosure i guess i am an investor in start engine um mm-hmm. on start engine in streamlytics um but has only raised about two and a half million and that's being generous mm-hmm. uh out here you know trying to get it from from everybody else and mm-hmm. and somebody just handed this joker a check for for three and a half million three point four million and, it, and right. it, just, it just makes no sense i want to hear that tweet yo what, what do you say? so uh lynn mentions every she puts out the tweet and says um, she mentions Caden and she says, you know, m- makes a correlation between that and Streamlytics. You know, my reply was, you know, three point five million dollars at the gate must be nice. Right. And she says, yeah. And Lynn says, yeah, I think they're investing in the CEO, which is another thing. It's like right. they tell us all day long, you got to solve a problem and you got to do this and you right. got to do that and you got to do this and you got to do that. And in the end, they can just invest in this dude because, hey, we like you. Right. We like him. He right. Like us. Right. So then I, um, so then I reply, investing in a person, dot, dot, dot must be nice. Right. right. And then he responds and says, they're investing in me. Sure. But also the team and the vision. But let's not pretend it's easy. This is after 24 years of grinding him. I'm assuming him. Right. Uh, after 24 years of grinding when absolutely no one would invest in me. And then, um, she says, uh, Lynn says, I like the idea of zero, zero party. I'm not sure what zero party data. I think that's when you give your data directly to a company for uh, some sort of compensation without going through a middleman or something like that. Right. And then he says, um, um, I'm, I'm, um, um, I applauded the idea of zero party. This is Lynn talking. I'm a crowd investor in Streamlytics and I'm a zero party daily cheerleader. So no ill will here. Generally speaking, uh, people of color and women in tech founders are underrepresented. And he responds, didn't mean it like that at all. Just wanted to point out since the yes, journal narrative is somewhat, somehow. <laughs> he felt some kind of way because he was getting, he, he got triggered because he was right, getting called out. Right. Since the general narrative is somehow easy or given pre, uh, given to, to raise capital under certain conditions. And it's not. I'm from an yeah. hat has to make sure yeah. I, I'm from, I'm from an immigrant household, oh. Im- immigrant household oh. and have seen all the angles along the way. Uh, thank, thanks for your support. So he, he, he pulled, on. pulled out my back. On. He pulled out my best friend's black card. Right, right. <laughs> oh, <man. laughs> and don't look, look again. Me, that, that made it personal because I'm like, like again, you're killing me right now, Smalls. Again, again, what Rob said, you know, uh, no ill will, you know, do your thing, you know, capitalize on an opportunity, but let's not pretend let's like not pretend. It, it, the, the game is rigged either for or against. <laughs> However, you look at it, you know it, it's 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 easier for others, and there's been a uh, a lot of hoops that other people have had to jump through to get the same, if not equal, um, shine. So absolutely, I just want to make one more quick point too about this. 
Um, so I, I went on TechCrunch and I searched for Angela Benton. She hasn't been featured on that website since 2015. Mm-hmm. Um, that's number one. So that's a problem. Mm-hmm. And, you know, if you want to try to use that same, you know, black TikTok creators argument about, well, you know, black founders don't have enough press and publicity. She had a mm-hmm. uh, article go out on Global Newswire, which is a global PR wire service, the one of probably the largest PR wire service that every you know, media publication worth their salt would probably have picked up on on September 10th, 2021, mm-hmm. with the announcement that she doubled her growth in one month and had half a billion data points. Now, any tech blog that gave a damn about tech news or just needs saw, news in general, right? Just that needs- saw a headline <laughs> that a company had a half billion data points and doubled in one month, you would write about that story. You would yep. pick that story up. Mm-hmm. Regardless, and you should have, regardless of who it was, but because it was a sister, you decided it wasn't newsworthy. This was on September 10th, and she put it out there like you're supposed to advertise stuff. Right, and it oh. goes like like you said. I'm like trying you to said. calm down because I'm about to start cursing a bit here, and, I, and this is a family show, so like, I want to keep it clean. But but this is this is ridiculous. Mm-hmm. This is and ridiculous. That, and that goes back to your original point in the first story, like you mentioned. It's like you know, well, uh, all y'all have to do is. And then you got case in point. And then when you do like, it, you still don't get the, what you deserve. So again, let me ask the question again. Is this willful uh, ignorance or is this strategy uh, actual institutionalized? Okay, well, we're not going to give this sister her shine, but we want to make sure we point out people who look like us or who are doing things or like it, like you said, investing in people that we want to see uh, shri- uh, shine versus maybe just ignoring or, you know, not even, you know, deciding, okay, that's not the type of story that our readers want to read. I don't care. That's a, it's a yeah, half billion data points it, and that's newsworthy. I, right? I, I, I was going to say the that's same That's newsworthy. Thing. I don't care who your readers are and what they care about. That's mm-hmm. technology newsworthy content. Mm-hmm. Talk about it. Right. No. Okay. The, the point I was going to make with Streamlytics is that this is a, you know, a company that's been running since 2018. They are doing the thing. They actually have a product out that customers mm-hmm. are using. Um, mm-hmm. and they're successful with it and they're, they're getting no shine. Um, I, I, I want to make this point very clear. This is not an anti Caden. This is not an anti, uh, you know, founder of Caden. Uh, you, you said know, it wrong. Right. We, you said it three times. We got it. Right. I, I, just, I want to make sure that I'm putting that out there because this, this is not that. It is just one thing. One thing is not like the other. It's like you have been in stealth for nine months. Nobody heard of you except for, you know, the investors you were talking to. You go pull this amount of money and you're going to release something hopefully in the next six months. Here's a company that is doing this. They've been doing it. They are putting, you know, ridiculous number, half a billion data points up. And they get no shine. And it's like, and we, we, we have to point out that one thing is not like the other. It's like, hmm, you know, I jokingly asked you this. So, so what do we, what do you need to do? Do you need to basically go chill on a secluded island for a few years before you come out? Is that the trick? Is, Is that the trick? So, um, but, but guys, as I said, all the more reason the tech John is so important to highlight (laughs) things like this. So subscribe, download, hit up our Patreon, you know, make sure we can continue to bring y'all this kind of much needed spotlight shining on these types of disparities in the technology community. Yeah. 
Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code ACAST for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. So, it's a C O N. For those who are listening in our live stream, I told y'all, and I've been posting this on social media all day, we have a guest, y'all. We, we got a guest. And I, I've been, I've been waiting for what? We, you know, I think you, Stephanie, you lined this up, what, probably close to a month ago? It's been a minute. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's, been, it's, yeah, it's, it's been, been a minute. minute. So, you know, we have a guest, and I see him sitting in our green room wait, waiting to wait, come in. So, Stephanie, I want to let room, you go wait. ahead and do the introduction while I bring our guest online. Yes, indeed. Yes, indeed. I'm super, super excited, y'all. Over his career, Sean has, this is Sean Gunn, everybody. Over his career, Sean has played a key role in helping multiple companies successfully exit. He has raised over $50 million in venture funding and created over $1 billion in value for (laughs) investors. Billion with a B. Uh, today, Sean Gunn is co-founder and CEO of Play, an artificial intelligence-driven w- wagering and data analytics platform for video gamers. Previously, Sean was founder and CEO of Persona, a personal data security and monetization ecosystem that was acquired by Nokia. Prior to Persona, Sean sharpened his deal-making skills at Traffic.com, where he helped grow the venture-backed startup to a $180 million acquisition by Navtech. Sean then became global head of monetization for Navtech, which led to an $8 billion purchase by Nokia, which is still the largest single data acquisition deal in history. Sean went on to build the first globalized mobile advertising and gaming network at Nokia, which was acquired by Microsoft. Sean has been featured in mainstream media as a leading technology entrepreneur and early stage investor in Fortune, Black Enterprise, Forbes, and Reuters. He received his BS from Florida and University. Of course, that's why you're on the show. Of course. Listen, me and Sean have known each other. We have known each other for for well over 20 years at this point. Um, just going way back, Rattler family in the building. Sean Gunn, thank you so much for, for joining me. us on the Tech Joint. Welcome, yeah, welcome, you guys, welcome to the show. Well, you guys, thanks for doing this. We need uh, uh, this other side of journalism and uh, media okay. to to balance some things out. So I was listening to your your uh, commentary on Streamlytics who. I'm an investor in as well. I know Angela for a long time. And, you know, what you guys were talking about is important because you have to balance it. That's part of the narrative we have to create for investors and for users that our water is just as cold as other people's, right? Mm-hmm. And to validate uh, products and services 
no matter what gender or, or race you are. Right. So uh, thank you for doing Great. that. Great. Welcome. Welcome once again. Welcome to the show. And uh, so y- you was listening. What, what, you know, yeah. what, what what are your thoughts on this? Because, like I said, you know, we, I try to bring a little bit of humor to it, but it's like it, it, you you've you've Burn. successfully, <laughs> you know, uh, you know, run companies have had some massive exits. Is the trick going to a secluded island? Because I, I I can book some tickets right now if that's what if that's what's necessary. Yeah. I I can book me a flight. Yeah, yeah. Well, uh, there's a couple of tricks. Some of those exits were, were, were teams of people that didn't look like me, right? So that helps. Um, there's nothing wrong with that, but it gets more challenging when it's, um, you know, a brown melanin in the, in the building that's mm-hmm. out front. Part of the leading, you know, doesn't have to be mm-hmm. part of the, the leadership team and, and, uh, uh, female founders, right? So, you know, if you're a black female founder, you, you, you're taking it in the mouth, right? Um, I will admit I probably have a few, few extra levels of, uh, capabilities walking in as a black man um not many but i've seen how black female founders get treated which is um you know no no different uh, statement than how black women get treated right in, in the general society so um yeah it you know i think part of the trick is um and you mentioned this earlier as we all are uh, navigating life we know that this society wasn't created for us um the game wasn't created for us and so any one of us that gets, and, and we all put achievement on exits, right? And clearly that's, you know, those are the rings that we've all been led to judge by. But sometimes keeping your business up and running is, is a level of success. Mm-hmm. Getting right. one investor is a level of success. So um, we have to stop falling in love with um, the hyper vision of VC funding. Every business isn't a VC funded business. And I think we've all fallen in love with the allure of you know, movies and social media and, um, and that imagery, but, uh, having businesses that are just turning a profit, um, is a, is a level of success and sometimes doesn't demand that you have a venture, you know, group behind you. Um, I think that's part of the problem, right? Is when I have a lot of friends of different backgrounds that are in the venture game and they all are kind of trained to think a certain way, right? It's mm-hmm. this pattern recognition. Mm-hmm. And the recognition starts with um, what school did you go to, what what investment bank or what tech company did you start with, um, what what accelerator you out of, mm-hmm. are you wearing the right hoodie, <laughs> all those things, right? And 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 that ends up being this pattern that they think is going to lead to a level of success, um, which we all have seen does not, right? There's still very small percentages, no matter where you start. Uh, that actually get over whatever the perceived finish line is. And so I think, um, unfortunately, that's the game that we're kind of playing today. How you fix that is to change the rules of the game or don't play that game. Right. Right. Um, right. And that's hard, right? Because uh, the, the rules in, in this world are set where you're supposed to do X, Y, and then Z. And so I think that's where you see a bunch of people are starting to change that narrative, right? It's mm-hmm. Um, you know, why, you know, this is probably our, our ancestors and grandparents said, why you keep beating your head against that wall when there's open doors over here? Those open doors might not be as sexy, mm-hmm. but they're open. And right. what I found is, is if you can not do this for ego, but do it for business KPIs, every time I've looked back three, four, five, ten 10 years later, nobody actually cares how you got to $100 million. Okay. 
Mm. Right? They care in the beginning because they're trying to put you in the narrative. But whether you had to go to third world countries or to Pluto, once you hit those revenue numbers, people are like, okay, somebody's paying you mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. it's cash flow, right? So I think that's the one thing I try to tell young, I try to tell myself every day, but tell other entrepreneurs is sometimes the universe always shows you a path. It's just not sexy. And right. willing to maybe not do the sexy thing to achieve the goal. I hear you, man. So tell us about play. I mean, you know, AI-based wagering, fintech gaming. That's that's a mouthful. That's a mouthful. Break it down for us. Yeah. So uh, first, uh, I'll start by my co-founder who uh, went down this journey with me, Christine Krasinowski. Christine, shout out to Christine. Christine is an expert in influencer marketing, user acquisition. She spent a lot of time with the FanDuel team uh, from kind of their C to B. And so she kind of saw the vision. I you know, gave her this crazy idea that, you know, probably five years ago, people would be betting on video games and, you know, we ended up doing all this different stuff in uh, what we now know to be Web3, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and so uh, we went on this journey. And I think what we found was, is that to your point, there's a lot of investors that can trick the game, right? They can get the veneer of a service to look like it's automated when there's really a lot of, you know, little little people in the back. Some, folk, some folks in the Philippines. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> and, 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 uh, and I had spent too much time in data businesses to know that that's not going to scale. So um, ended up spending a lot of time investing in AI and computer vision and machine learning. And figured out that that was a way to kind of create a wager moment on top of an existing game without having a relationship with that publisher, right? Um, and so we built that out uh, with some some partners and friends. And um, in essence, our AI gives us the ability to get a, a gamer to stream their match on any service, um, but like a Twitch-like stream. Mm-hmm. And while that stream is uh, in real time, we can pull data attributes out of that stream. So what's the score? How much time is left? What achievements have taken place? And be able to certify in real time who really is winning that match and who won, um, which up until we came into the market was a big challenge, right? Uh, platforms were reliant on people to tell the truth. So, you know, uh, what was the score, Stephanie? Does it line up with what Sean says? And if it doesn't, there's all right. this friction and nobody gets paid, right? Um, and, and all that is born out of the fact that most gaming publishers, it's starting to change now. Are, we're not willing to completely dip their toe into uh, wagering or betting, right? And we get all the reasons why, but I think that's even, uh, that's changing. So um, our AI is really around that. Um, now we're starting to navigate into collecting behavioral data. So how do players play each other, skill level, uh, betting habits, and then roll this up into algorithms that then give us the ability to trigger actions, right? So maybe you should double down or try to get this person to do uh, in match wager because you have some slight advantage, right? So all those things will be what we roll out uh, going forward. So we started that platform in a B2C offering. Uh, we've now made some announcements. Um, we're integrating into some uh, B2B uh, games, uh, mobile games, and I think we're going to start to proliferate that. We take a pretty strong view on becoming a trusted environment. So we do age verification and geography verification. So we want users to know that when you wager someone, not only is it of someone of age and in the right geography, but you also are going to get paid. And we, we demand that from our technology. 
All right. So, so break it down. Cause when, when, you know, I'm a gamer. Well, I play games. I'm not necessarily a gamer, <laughs> right? <laughs> Let me make sure I make that clear. Right. Yeah. But when, you know, when you think about sports betting, I'll use this as an, as an example. You, you can, you can come up with all these ways to bet. You can over and under, you can bet percentages, you can bet, bet they're going to throw these many yards, they're going to shoot these many threes. You know, there are all these different ways you can bet on a typical sporting game. That's but crazy. when you, Glad yeah, but, <laughs> but when you think yeah. of like betting on gaming, you know, uh, expand my mind. Right. I think of, OK, well, this person's going to win. I, I bet this person's going to win, you know, and if I bet this person's going to win, then I'm going to, you know, make the money. Kind of explain how many different ways and you kind of alluded to it earlier, in your, uh, yeah. you know, your your overview, but kind of explain how many different ways a person, whether it be the gamer or just somebody spectating how they can get into this and how many different ways and how many all the different options that your platform is providing them to wager on these certain um, aspects. Yeah. So what we have initially started in our phase one is just pure peer to peer. Right. So we what we found is that the population of gamers and we, we really are harnessing kind of a competitive amateur. That's probably who you are. Right. Mm-hmm. No hope of being like Ninja or being on Team Liquid, um, although that's part of our. I'm, I'm Atlanta phase. So, uh. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. um, and so we want to make it super simple. So today we only let you bet on the peer to peer. What is the outcome of the match? OK. We are not going to beat you. Um, this year, you'll see us start to fold in from the data we're collecting. We call micro wager. So not only can you bet on the end result. But like I said, we'll have algorithms that say, hey, Steph, it looks like you now have a 62% chance of beating Sean. You should try to get him to double down or do some other kind of in-match moments. And obviously that helps with a few things. It increases your monetization. Um, you may be getting blown out the game, but there might be a micro-wager moment mm-hmm. that you can win some cash. And we think that mm-hmm. will engage as well. Um, and so there'll be a list of those. We have about 10 of those different bets, right, that we'll, we'll, un- we'll unleash there. And then uh, we'll make an announcement here probably in this quarter around a sports book partnership or set of partnerships that will then allow us to uh, let fans wager on a match that they're watching. So that the key difference between, you know, peer to peer betting, uh, wagering and betting is the fact that fans don't have control of the outcome where Stephanie and I do. Right. And that's legal with un, under the U.S. gaming laws as long as we can control the outcome of that match. And it's in a kind of skill-based game, which, you know, most of the video games that are in the market kind of meet that, that criteria. But once you allow people that are just watching to kind of place a wager, you've generally stepped into uh, regulated betting and there needs to be a license there. So um, we have some partners we've lined up that are traditional sports bet. Sports, sports betting partners that will enter this market and basically they'll let you be able to watch a tournament or a contest or a peer to peer match. And we'll put up different kinds of bets uh, on the screen, whether it's a mobile device or we're looking at interactive TV uh, type engagements and you'll be able to place a bet based on knowing, you know, players, um, data history and analytics and, you know, all the things you would see in a normal sporting environment. We'll, we'll do the same. Um, and so I think there'll be a mix of, um, versions of lines and odds, right? Because that comes into play when you put two people that are of the same skill level. And it's like, you know, Stephanie's really good in Pac-Man, so she might need to give me a, you know, <laughs> something. But I think the same logic will hold true. What we are finding, though, is, and this is what I've been trying to educate the uh, regulated or Vegas uh, type partners on, is that 
this 18 to 35 year old gaming uh, demographic really doesn't understand traditional sports betting, right? They don't get with, you know, minus seven and all this different vernacular. It's like your first day you went to the casino and played craps, right? And it's like, what the heck is all this stuff? And then as soon as you learn, it becomes second nature. So I think there is either a learning curve or there's a different type of sports betting or regulated betting that we and others can kind of put in front of our users. I don't want to say it's dumbed down, but I think um, the new demographic of users is used to simplicity, right? They want yeah. options, but they don't want to think about it and they don't want it to be elongated, right? It's like, I'm watching this event. I could win money, super clear on what my value proposition is, right? Mm-hmm. If I bet a dollar, I get 80 cents back or I get whatever, right? And I think that's where uh, play is trying to create that transparent society, right? On our platform, you buy tokens today to enter contests. We have play utility tokens, and that's how we derive our revenue. But we want users to win the entire jackpot. And generally right. what you see in sports betting and even esports betting is those platforms take a rake or a VIG or some type of service fee, which is kind of like, uh, 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 right at the end. It's like, I thought I was going to win 50 bucks and I kind of won like 38. After processing. Yeah. <laughs> right, yeah. But uh, even when users know, hey, I'm buying these play tokens and, you know, that's that's how they make their money. But, man, when I win 50 bucks, I keep all 50 of it. And I can I can withdraw that money and go, you know, buy a hamburger. Or we have people on our platform that are like, hey, man, I, I'm glad you built this because I make more money on play than I do with my Amazon warehouse job or right. you know, my side gig, right? So we do think over time it can create an economy um, that for some users, it's a little more than just entertainment. It's almost a bit of decentralized finance, right? You're, it's it's GameFi, right? So we're taking content um, that's being streamed and um, making it interactive and also monetizing it on behalf of all parties, which is a win-win. So you, you mentioned that on your platform, um, your, your users will buy tokens. Um, now is that anything similar to, uh, you know, crypto? Uh, you know, is it, is it a play on that or is this just your, your own proprietary type of token? Yeah. So we chose to leave it a utility, uh, out the gate. Um, and a lot of that was just kind of pre pandemic before crypto was really penetrating. Utility. You can still argue it's still not fully at utility. It's more of a store of value. Um, but always knowing that, uh, we could turn the knob in, especially in international markets, um, either create our own play token or where you, I think you'll see us go next is, uh, leveraging other currencies. So I think part of what's happening is there's so many tokens, uh, stable coins and all, all coins that, um, there's also an opportunity to just let people you know, bet or monetize these assets they have, right? So it's like, hey, we'll take it all in um, through, you know, key relationships with people like Coinbase and others. They make that super simple, even mm-hmm. simpler than it was a year ago. Um, and you can bet with whatever you want and cash out and it can be fiat currency or it, you can cash it into a cryptocurrency, right? So I think you'll see us uh, enter a bunch of places. We just want to make it really easy for users um, but there is also an opportunity for us to kind of take our play utility token and maybe do something bigger with it. Nice. Can you talk about how much you've raised so far? Or is that? No, that's public. Yeah, public. So our first, uh, we did our initial seed uh, for about 3.8 million. 
Um, and, uh, you know, talking about uh, the state of uh, uh, raising capital as a, a black man and a, a female founder, it's tough, right? Um, no matter what your, your track record is. Um, and I don't want to say it's any tougher than anyone else, although I believe it is, but I think it's challenging, period. To it be is. We'll say, we'll say it for you. It yeah, is. Appreciate it. <laughs> um, but, but I think there's complexities, obviously, that any uh, founder of color or female founder has uh, sees every day, right? And uh-huh. um, it's either up to you to kind of muscle through it or you can sit and point at it and cry, right? And mm-hmm. I think we have to leave that up to others to do that. Um, but I do think um, what's helped us in that raise, and we still try to hold to it, is is like there is a hierarchy of investors on the planet, right? That um, some get to see all the cool, sexy deals, and some don't, right? And I think to that point, what I said about building businesses and maybe not going down the sexy path or the, the path that builds is, is good for your ego. Sometimes you got to kind of get on the road physically or virtually and go to them weird places, right? Or the places nobody wants to go, right? And it's not, you know, LA where I live now in Silicon Valley. It's like, you got to go to Wisconsin and hey. DC. <laughs> that money still spends. <laughs> that money spends, right? And, and let me tell you, I've had people hug me because I came to Pittsburgh or to one of your spots or Lancaster, Pennsylvania on a Friday <laughs> night in a snowstorm. Cause it's like, we got money, but we know we're not the sexy place, mm-hmm. right? So mm-hmm. I think we as our, our community, we can't buy all the way into that thing. That thing will be there if you make it through the gauntlet, right? Right. But in these beginning phases, it's, it's, you gotta, you gotta go and do what you need to do. And I think the other piece, which is good for us is that there's so many, there's so much information that the average high net worth individual, they understand what multiples are in tech, right? Uh-huh. Um, and they understand, look, I'm placing a bet. There's some risk in this, but if I put a dollar here versus in my real estate portfolio, my real estate portfolio is not going to turn out a 20 X return, right? Right. Um, and so now it's just the key of finding the right uh, folks and being diligent. But um, it is it is a better moment for us. It's still. Oh, I think we lost him. Oh, no. Maybe he's in the lobby, Rob. There you go. There All we right. go. Right. I don't know what happened. Um, <laughs> so, so, yeah, it's 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 getting better. Right. But it's, it's still not perfect. Okay. Let me ask you real quick. Is there is there a resource? Because you talk about and I love what you said about you know, not always trying to get a meeting at Andreessen um, and, and get their money or, or whoever. Um, is is there a centralized resource of, you know, a directory kind of all the available money, like those little known places in Lancaster or, you know, Wichita or, or whatever, like do, do, do these, do these entities have to be listed somewhere um, that somebody could go to and be like, you know what? I'm going to start down at the bottom of the list and start asking down here instead of starting at the top and, and trying to work my way yeah. down. Yeah. I've often thought about it. that's a business, right? Um, yeah. So, but so I'll say this. I think um, uh, the broader world doesn't realize that there's levels of the investment game, right? So to your point, the Andreessen's who, you know, love them and know Chris and the team there, you know, at the top of the food chain, right? So, mm-hmm. They get to pick and, and choose from just the best deals on the planet. Um, 
but there's there's levels of venture, which once again, you may not be a venture ready or venture type company, but that's there. But then there's things like family offices, right, which are, you know, generally pooled funds from high net worth individuals or sometimes uh, most of the really high net worth families will have their own family office, which does investing for the family. So, you know, uh, yeah, <laughs> the Carters, uh, you know, will have their own family office, for instance. Right. And so that that team is there as investment investment professionals to field all types of business opportunities and make investments directly. So I think that's a level that as our community is not just used to that, right? And of it's a little easier to get in. Family offices all sometimes specialize in different sectors, but they generally want to play a little earlier um, and will you know, do angel and early stage and some do growth and uh, down the downfield. So that's the angle. And then what I found uh, through a couple of these fundraising is you got to create your own, what I call agents. Um, and agents are sometimes people that don't know their agents. They're the accountants. They're the lawyers. They're the insurance agents for high net worth folks. They know who has money and who doesn't. They have lunch with them. They know who just got a bunch of money and it's like, hey, I'd like to take 10% of this and put it in something a little riskier than I normally do. Uh-huh. And so um, you got to create those kind of networks and you got to help monetize those people, right? Nobody does anything for free, right? So, right. Yeah, yeah, true. Absolutely. Yeah, pick your I, brain. Pick your brain is a no-no nowadays. Yeah, <laughs> you're not picking brains in 2022. Yeah. No. Cool. Yeah, and I think that's another place I try to help us, right? We we want a lot of stuff for free, mm-hmm. especially information. And I'm happy to do it to the degree, but I know I'm much more freer than most people, right? Especially in this economy. And so I think when you come to the table, when you know someone can tap you into a network, most people, if you just showed them a path to, hey, you're going to break me off, you know, a little commission or, you know, a uh, finder's fee. I mean, you have to be careful. There are rules and regulations around how much you can actually uh, pay someone in, in, in that kind of format. But you can create kind of um, finder fees, right? You can put people on your, you know, give them some little advisor shares. There's a lot of ways to incentivize folks. And generally when you're talking to most people, it's not their, it's like the side, side gig, right? It's like, I'm talking to this person anyway, but you want them to put you in your best light. Um, You don't want them to waste your time. You don't waste their time. And so I think we have to get into that habit of working together in that regard. We all know lawyers and, you know, folks offering high net worth services, um, that when they're in these rooms, have you in their mind and triangulate to, I think those four people might be an opportunity for, you know, your business or, or what have you. So I think that's where I've seen opportunity. Um, especially when you're talking, you know, we've been fortunate enough to have some, um, professional athletes and, and, uh, celebrities and that it's an ecosystem within its own. It's, it's, you know, it's not a Fortune 500 company, but it's 50, 60 people that right. it's got some money to play with. Mm-hmm. That what that control talking to him or her, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and and in some cases, they're doing okay and they're there for the love of the game because they they're making money. In some cases, like what's it? What's the toll, right? Mm-hmm. So you you always it's an art and a science to what's it worth to get to that person, right? And not just get to them, but get to them in the right light. Because yeah. we also know those uh, introductions can cut your, your curve. And this whole 
Business is time. Right. It's actually not money. The money is a big driver, but it's time based. The longer it takes you to do certain things, it impacts, you know, product development and market access and all these other things. So you, you do have to constantly weigh time versus money versus other options. Super smart. So I was just going to say, Sean, we could we could sit here and listen to <laughs> you talk day. because the three of us particular, just like you, you're doing a master class for us. We are all interested Stop in this. And I, yeah, I would imagine that a big part of our uh, of our community, a lot of our listeners are just like they sitting down taking notes. I already know that I'm going to uh, steal Stephanie's notes because she's been writing stuff down. I'm not a mm-hmm. I'm not a big writer. I can't multitask like that. So I'm going to get her notes after, uh, you know, after the show. But, um, you know, just to kind of, you know, just open it back up, um, you know, one, you know, one of the things that I was reading through is like, you know, I just want to get your thoughts on, you know, the metaverse, Web 3.0, you know, you know, what, what are your thoughts on some of that? It seems like, you know, yeah. every month we keep coming back to these conversations, but I want to somebody who's in this space. I want I want I want to get your take on, you know, is, is this stuff for real? You know, should we really be paying attention to this stuff? Yeah, I'm, I'm afraid you should. I've been I've been blowing this horn for a while. Um, I think I still think we're in its, its infancy, but I've been playing on the metaverse and a bunch of platforms for 10 years. What's happening is that technology has finally caught up the early versions of the metaverse. If you put it on your laptop, it would just seize up it uh-huh. just wasn't enough RAM. You know, the, the uh, platforms weren't in the cloud. Everything was localized going to the cloud. So I think what's, Opening this conversation, why it's becoming a thing is because now technology, like all things, has proliferated to make it easier, right? And it's just going to, as we know, it's just going to keep getting easier exponentially. Um, I think uh, the pandemic also accelerated big company strategies around this, knowing that we have to continue to rely on people coming into retail and all these other environments to mm-hmm. uh, commit what we call e-commerce, which is going to be called something else, but kind of transactions, we're going to be in a tough spot. So I think that's what really proliferate. You always need kind of big companies to just push, invest, uh-huh. push, yeah, uh-huh. create the ecosystem. Then smaller companies can get the opportunity to participate. So I think that's why it's number one, a thing. I think the proliferation of crypto became the second reason why it, it was becoming a more real thing. And then I think uh, clearly like in a web three environment where you have uh, persistent transaction and you know even things like cloud gaming right two years ago you know there was some of that in the fringe but you didn't see these companies really pushing for it now cloud gaming is it right yeah. and, and I think um, the ability with a uh, Apple device or other phones that are probably stronger than some of our computers at home um, by themselves all technology enables all this to be real right uh-huh. So I think that I think that we're going to see more proliferation in the metaverse. I think the metaverse um, is going to take on a lot more areas of our life. So we're starting to see retail, obviously NFTs. This NFT version is still not the real version. I think uh-huh. we're people that are going to find true utility. We're in kind of this like cartoonish copy thing, right? <laughs> it's not even art anymore, right? And I'm not pooping on anybody's stuff, but it's just it's a lot of no, some of it's trash. Yeah. <laughs> some of it's trash. But but you got to pay attention to one the people that are finding utility. Like mm-hmm. I buy this and I get to do 
these four things and maybe that makes me money, right? Or it doesn't make success. Um, so like all things in life, you got to be able to think for yourself a little bit, but not poo-poo the whole thing. Because I'm sitting, you know, every now and then I'm in a meeting with some, you know, older folks who are the same ones that said the, in- the internet wasn't going to last. <laughs> right. Crypto is not going to last. They're the same ones saying the NFTs are stupid and the metaverse is not <clears throat> right. And it's like, eh, still haven't got it. It's real it's a- when you adopt when you see people yeah. adopt, it's real. And I think to add to that, I think people don't want to flat out. People do not want to miss the new wave. There are people who can remember back when, oh, man, if I would have just had a thousand dollars instead of going on college and filling out this application to get this free T-shirt and run up this credit card. If right. I would took that refund check, I do not want to miss this next thing. So I think there are a lot of consumers, you know, re- I guess you call them retail, whatever you want to call them. There are a lot of people It's like, all right, metaverse, blockchain, crypto that w- I'm not missing. Them. I'm not missing this boat. So yeah. I think a lot of people are out there trying to, you know, jump in. And then, you know, like you, like you said, it's still in this infancy. Once the utility comes, I think there are going to be a lot of people. So I think the, the knowledge and the awareness and the FOMO of in consumers, you know, uh, end users are ones driving this thing as well. Yeah, no, but you got to remember as a consumer, and I think things are happening faster, but it takes a while, right? Mm-hmm. For, you know, you look at all these trends, it, you, you got to be in it um, and you got to right. believe. And so that's generally where the FOMO and the real separate, right? Uh, right. Go online now, people are like, this sucks. It didn't go up in a week. And it's like, dude, it's going right. <laughs> you got You got 20 more years, Jack. Okay, <laughs> like, calm down. And it might not be settle settle right? in. <laughs> right. I think things happen faster. If you just look at trends, with, mm-hmm. it took certain companies, whatever the last one to get to a trillion. I mean, look at Apple, look at Tesla, right? It's happening faster because you have, more, you have more information. To your point, people know they missed out, right? Or I sold mm-hmm. too early. So now you have more money coming into these things. But as a from an investor standpoint, I tell myself this too. Now you got to stay in it. You got to commit, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. You know it's going to do this, but over a 5, 10, 15 year period, it's going to look like this, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I think that's just an individual, you know, perspective. You have to kind of lean in there. But yeah, so I, I, I believe some of the things that are next for a metaverse, and I'm a big believer in this and working on some stuff, is that I think that's where the, our next athletes are going to come from. Okay. So I think, in, okay. I think in, I'll say 20 years, I think it's going to be sooner, but in 20 years, you won't care about LeBron James anymore. You'll care about some avatar bot in the metaverse that's the best fighter or the best, and it could be a 12-year-old that owns that. Mm-hmm. Are wow. you, you talking yes. elite? You think an Alita Battle Angel Ready Player <laughs> One type? <laughs> you, you, you know, I think, I think I think there's these worlds that are being constructed, especially once we get to a, a where there's cross cross world play, right? So right now yeah. you yeah. can't you can't take it from Decentraland to this. That's coming, right? There's a bunch of people working on that. But once you get to that point with some other components to build and grow and you know, skill up a particular um, character bot avatar. I think these things will become the next cultural icons in Africa. Okay. I don't All think right. we'll care about certain certain celebrities. I think it'll morph. Mm-hmm. Sean, you are the third person um, in as many weeks. 
who has said that they think that, and they weren't going 20 years, they were going in the next five, 10 years. You're going to see that they they, they were saying that, um, you're going to see avatars that are going to become superstars. And they gave me the the last person I talked to, they gave me the example of a movie called, uh, Real Steel with Hugh Jackman, where basically it's a bunch of robots fighting each other. And she told me, she was like, think of that movie. But instead of physical robots, this is all in the metaverse and like they're they're stars. And I'm like, wow. It's like, so yeah, I got, I need to go find five books on that and read it and try to, you know, try to get a level of uh, understanding. Have you you read a a famous book on the metaverse, uh, Snowfall? No, I can't say that. I have have not. Read that book. Normalist? The, the, uh, the author is his name. I, I can see it. His name just gave me. But that book, once you read that, it, it's the predator. You'll see it, all this will make sense to you. It's it's actually been the roadmap for a lot of these early metaverse um, architectures. Is what's in it's in that book. Wow. So talk to us about what play has coming up. I heard y'all got y'all got a couple of new little partnerships popping um, uh, recently. We'll, we'll let you brag a little bit on play right now. No, it's not me. I got a good team. We uh, uh, we signed some enterprise deals. So we have a partnership with a company called Hashcube that has about 20 million mobile gaming users um, mm-hmm. uh, here in Africa and in India. And so they'll integrate our kind of AI data tech um, solution and create cash wager matches within their free-to-play experience. Um, so we're super excited about that. We think there's many more of those deals. Mm-hmm. And, and um, today we, we announced a deal with our first esports professional team, uh, the Kansas City Pioneers. Um, they have about nice. a million plus users and uh, have, a top, I think, a top five Halo team, which is next on our one of the games on our roadmap. So we're really excited about that. We think that the fan base that's been aggregated by esports teams um, is going under monetized. Um, in many cases, um, they really are making money off of well, live events are challenging uh, these days. Um, it's really merchandise. And so we think we can kind of bring skill based wagering into those environments um, and, and kind of everybody wins. So we want to do more of those deals as well. Nice. Nice. Yeah. So, Sean, we have to thank you for, uh, you know, for taking the time to have this little this little conversation, this little master class where you have just, you know, given us some some clues and some gems nice. into the game. Um, it, it has been so valuable to us and I'm sure to our community. And, uh, you know, before we, uh, you know, wrap the show up, I just want to give you the opportunity to tell all of our listeners and all of our watchers uh, if anyone wants to follow you, how they can actually find you, maybe on social media, uh, you know, whether it be LinkedIn, you know, Instagram, anything like yeah. that. You know, let us know how people can get to you. Before you get to that, um, I looked it up. I think you're talking about the book Snow Crash by Neil Stevenson. Okay. I put it in the uh in the chat and we'll make sure we add it Thank in the show for, notes. For okay. Checking me. It's been a long <laughs> time. Yeah. Um no, I thanks well first thank you all for having me and uh love what you're doing and um keep going. We need we need more of these dialogues and and your perspective. Um and people can just find me on um Instagram and Twitter is King Gun uh, with two N's. Um, and then LinkedIn, I think I'm just Sean Gunn, S H A W N G U N N. And uh, happy to chat and network with people. All good. Thanks, okay. family. Yeah, thank uh, you. It. We'll catch you so soon. Much. Thanks. Yeah.
You guys take care. Keep going. Yeah. All right. <laughs> so that is our episode. Um, I think we are up to episode 19. I am. I'm just sitting here. It's like, man, I got to I, I need to be up on this. I need to be up on that. Uh, Sean dropped so many nuggets. Can I tell you, though, I was in I went to L.A. Um, when was that? When was that? When was that? It had to be at least 2018, maybe 2018 going into 2019, somewhere around there. Um because I had an audition and, you know, called Sean, like, let's get up, get some food, whatever. He was telling me about this back then. He was like, yeah, we got this wagering esports. And I was like, oh, okay. Wait, <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you know, wait, right over. Because I don't play video games like that. You know, if you ain't got a, a full size Miss Pac-Man somewhere, I probably ain't trying to see it. But, you know, it, it didn't make a ton of sense to me at the time. But, you know, he was super, super passionate about it already. He, he saw the vision for it you know even back then and how far it could go so i'm just so proud of him and, and christine and what they've been able to build um with this and in a relatively short amount of time you know and and poised to you talk about exit you know this has the potential to be a unicorn style exit you know what uh-huh. i mean so um you know all y'all publications that sleeping on black founders y'all might want to take note that's all I got. So y'all, I'm, I'm, I'm looking at the clock. Um, we, we are to that time, um, you know, of the show where we got to shout out some patrons because once again, we got some new folks. So uh, as I said at the beginning of our show, we are on Patreon um, where you can support the Tech John over there. So we've got a couple of different tiers that you can join. And one of them, um, you know, one of the benefits of uh, you know each of those tiers is the ability to watch us do uh, the live stream where we almost always have uh, you know a post show. Sometimes we have even a little bit of a pre-show. And then also one of the benefits is the ability to actually get a ad free stream. So head over to patreon.com forward slash the tech john that is the tech j-a-w-n and uh you could uh you know help us uh you know by supporting the show and uh get a few benefits um and this week we have added a couple of new um patrons so i want to shout out uh jeff steinhauer and let's see this name um it is a-r-i-a-d-n-e i think that's ariadne spess i think i think that's how you pronounce it ariadne and also, we've had a couple folks give us a raise. So I want to shout them out as well. So Kyle Burrow has given us a raise and Lou Goon, um, who just became a patron last week. He, he's actually already, you know, uh, I love this and, uh, you know, decided to give us a raise. So, um, shout out to y'all as well. And, um, so Stephanie, why don't you go ahead and kick us off and tell folks how they can get to you? Well, I just want to thank the two of you for letting me rant this whole <laughs> episode oh. um, you know we ain't no iron team but i just had to get some stuff off my chest um but i love y'all and i appreciate y'all um you can find me all around the web at tech life steph and you can check out my website at tilldeathbeatweek.com and you can find me uh all places the internet at brother tech b-r-o-t-h-a-t-e-c-h and i am on all the things with the moniker at Rob Dunwood. And also we, we tweet all the time on the tech John. Uh, so go at the tech John, um, you know, for what we're doing on Twitter, we're on Instagram, we're even on Facebook. Y'all, um, we're there. We're there. 
So with that, we at the end of the show. I want to say what we always say at the end. Peace. Peace. Hold up. What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here, and it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt-free. Hello Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at hellofresh.com. Mm.